Good evening, everybody. Hallelujah. Are you here? Okay, let's make our way in from the coffee bar and fill up the sections here so I can see the whites of your eyes. Amen. All right, let's stand up. And let's say our confession over the United States of America. Amen. All right. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. All right. Well... Pastor Dave uh, tested positive for COVID. His whole family tested negative, so he's home resting. He's fine. And a pastor's home receiving a healing, too. So they tell me at noon, I'm, I got it. I'm up to bat tonight. So Dylan told me to. <laughs> so it's, it's me, myself, and I. So anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. We're going to have a good time tonight. Okay, I'm going to go over the announcements with you. Servant leadership is next Thursday night on the 17th of August at 7 p.m. in Victory. Now, servant leadership is a thing anybody can go to if you're interested in serving within the church. So if you would like to go to those meetings, they're once a month, uh, you know, just show up. Uh, men's meeting is going to be Saturday, uh, the 2nd of, D- of uh, September at 9 a.m. So guys bring some kind of a breakfast to share. And um, it's going to be Labor Day weekend, but, you know, why don't you just stay home and rest and go to men's meeting, right? <laughs> Amen. So go ahead and do that. Okay, Lift Women's Fall Kickoff is going to be Friday night, second Friday night of the month at 6 o'clock. Is it 6 or 6.30? I've been there for a while. What is it? It's 6.30 for real? Okay, so 6.30. I got the wrong thing on here. But anyway, I'm going to be teaching the whole year on the women of the Bible. So bring your Bible and all that kind of cool stuff. The menu is going to be uh, bring a casserole, a salad, or a dessert. And we're going to have a good time. Amen. All right. So is anybody here for the first time? Let me scan the horizon here. No, you're all, you're all home folk. Okay, praise the Lord. All right. Well, guess what time it is? Happy time. Where's my Dez? Okay. <laughs> I thought, where'd she go? <laughs> okay. Good evening. I love being able to talk about offering and tithes because it's changed my life. And when you grasp what tithe is, it really changes your life. So if you'll turn with me to Malachi 3.10. And I just want to give a quick testimony. Because when you give to the Lord and you give what belongs to him, God blesses. Like even during school time, when you don't really have the finances to do things for your kids, like 
buy them the best shoes or the best clothing. So the other day, Noah went somewhere to a friend's house and came home with a brand new pair of Nike shoes. And I was just telling the Lord, like, Lord, you're going to have to help me because we budget, but like my boys are expensive. Not so much Jojo, but Noah is a little pricey. Like he's into like what he looks like and the type of clothes he has to wear and the hats and that all adds up, you know? And so I was just really blessed because Malachi 310 really took place in my life because I'm a tither and I can claim that tithing rights. When it comes to stuff like that, I really don't stress out about it because I know God's going to provide one way or another so that my kids could have everything that they need. But it's just amazing to watch God do those things for us because he cares about the little things. He cares about, you know, your kids having the best. He cares about there being groceries in your home. He cares about food. He cares about the energy bill being paid. He cares about those things. But it's a heart condition. So when we're tithing to the Lord, it's not because people are watching you and we want to see who's coming up here or we count the offering and people want to, you know, we put in who who did what. That's not the reason for doing that. We're doing it because we love the Lord. And the only reason why we have finances is because God gave us our jobs or whatever means that we have those finances. So when you love the Lord and you're obedient, even if you don't have enough, God blesses you. Because your heart is right. You're willing to say, okay, Lord, this belongs to you, and I'll live off the 90%. So with that being said, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me, says the Lord. And so God's telling us, like, if you don't believe me, try it. Try it out. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So I challenge you, if you guys aren't tithers, try God. Try working the word of God. Because I guarantee you, it will change your life. And pastors uh, um, pastors and Pastor Dave, they stand up here all the time and they talk about tithing and giving and tithing and giving and tithing and giving. And it's not because it benefits them. It benefits you. It benefits your relationship with the Lord. When you're able just to have such a trust in him and know that you don't have to worry about anything because he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide it, whatever need it is. You know, if you're, if you're searching for a new job, you know, God's going to give you that new job if you are, if you're obedient. If you're searching, you know, for, to have more finances so that you can pay your bills and do the things you need to do and you tithe, God's going to bring those monies in. You know, the financial faith confession, we speak it over and over and over. And I'm telling you, there's times when I go to my mailbox and there's a check in the mail. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. There it is. There, There's my need. You know, so just do it. Just trust the Lord. Just love Jesus enough to give him a chance. Okay? So with that being said, if you need an envelope, one of these wonderful ushers will give you that. Raise your hand. Sorry. I'm not good at that. I always forget that part. And I'll give it a couple seconds, and then we'll go ahead and say our financial faith confession, and then we'll come worship the Lord. So if we can get the financial faith confession up. Okay, there we go. And go ahead and stand up. Okay. As we bring the Lord's tithes and give offerings today, we believe we receive 
jobs or better jobs, promotions, sales, oh, raising the bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and bring that up. Okay, join us up here at the altar, and we'll worship the Lord together with our tithes and offerings and praising Him and sing to Him tonight. You call down into darkness. You reach down to save us. You conquered the grave. You crossed the divide. Lost in our sin. You made us alive. How could we ever hold it inside? We can't hold back. So we're gonna lift you higher, higher. Hearts running bright like a fire, fire. Voices unite, make it louder, louder. You're never gonna stop singing. You're never gonna stop singing. No longer. 
The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. No, my God will never fail. Let's sing this out. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Sometimes the devil thinks he's got a big plan for our lives, but the Bible says that the Lord can take that plan and take what the devil thought he was going to turn for evil and turn it around so that it all works out in our favor. And that's what this next part of this song talks about. And I really believe that. Sometimes the devil thinks he's got something, but it's never too much for God. So let's sing this out together. It's a new take. You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good Let's sing that again, sing it up you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Sing that again. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing. Yeah. 
Father, Lord, we worship you tonight, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for all that you've done for us, all that you do for us, all that you will do for us, Father. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What an honor it is to serve you, Lord Jesus. What an honor it is to be called your child. Father, we just give you all the glory and all the praise for this service tonight and for all these awesome people, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Well, what are we studying about on Wednesday nights? Thank you. The fruit of the Spirit. Yes. You guys have to get loud. Okay? I don't like a quiet church. Let's get loud. You ready for, okay, I know what we're going to do. We're going to yell Jesus. You ready for this? One, two, three. Jesus! Okay, let's do it again. One, two, three. Jesus! Okay, now don't be quiet in here. It's not allowed. You have to, unless the Holy Spirit's really moving in a soft way, then you better shut up and let him do his thing. Right? You got to know when, what to do when you're going to be doing it. Okay, so we're studying the fruit of the Spirit. And so tonight we're on faithfulness. So let's just go over this whole thing. Look at Galatians chapter 5, uh, 20, verses 22 and 23. I'm in the New Living tonight just because Pastor Dave always is, so I thought, well, I better bring my New Living. So anyway, actually, my New Living is older than his New Living, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, verse 22. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Say it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these there is no law. You know, I never understood that phrase. Against these there is no law. I thought, what? You know, that's the dumbest phrase I ever heard. And I never did understand it until like recently. That's after reading it for 110 years. But it means that. You can't stop that. 
You know, there's no law against restraining love. There's no j- law against restraining joy. Do you understand what I mean? So it's free. So, you know, so that, you know, anyway, that's what that verse means. <laughs> Aren't we glad we finally know that after all these years? Okay, so tonight we're going to be talking about faithfulness. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to a- ask you to answer the question, but when you think of faithfulness, what do you think about? You know, there's the, the word faithfulness should trigger something in you that, that, that makes you think of what does faithfulness mean to you, you know, in, in what instance and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, sometimes we interchange the word loyal with faithful. And, and if you look it up, this stuff in the dictionary, I even went to my Webster's 1828 dictionary and it used the other word for faithful as being loyal. But I believe that there's a difference between being faithful and being loyal, and I'll explain that in a, in a minute. Um, for example, a person may be a faithful attender in church, okay? But in their hearts, they are not loyal to the pastor or to the work that's going on. You understand what I'm saying? So to me, there's a difference between the words faithful and loyal. People can be faithfully sitting in their chair, but grumbling or not being loyal in their hearts. You understand that? Okay. Think about Judas Iscariot. We all know that he was the one that betrayed Jesus. He was faithfully at Jesus' meetings. He traveled with Jesus. He was even Jesus' treasurer, but he was not loyal to Jesus, right? You understand that where I'm coming from with all this? Okay, so to me, according to the to the word of God and just living life, there's a difference between being loyal and being faithful. You understand what I what I mean? But if we are truly born again and we do have the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruit of the spirit is being faithful. So, you know, we want to we want to uh use all the fruit of the spirit, but we want to um Grow more and more in them. It's like Pastor Dave says, the fruit of this fruit grows, you know. And also too, like when, when, uh, people are, are, are know you out in the world or at the workplace or, or your, even your own family, if they start picking on you, what kind of fruit are they gonna pick? You understand what I'm saying? When they start picking at you, are you gonna respond with love and joy and peace and kindness and patience or are you gonna sock them in the mouth? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm being serious. How are you going to, how are you going to respond when they pick a fruit off of you or when they pick on you? How are they going to respond? So the true answer is they need, you need, they need, you need to respond with the, and I need to respond with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, and the rest of those. Okay. I want to talk to you. I want to share with you tonight one of my favorite accounts in the Bible about a relationship of complete and total faithfulness, and that is between David and Jonathan. I love this account. I love this story. So really, it's going to be story time in here tonight. I'm going to read to you out of, you know, you can follow along on the screen or follow along in your Bible, but this is so good about David and Jonathan and about how faithful they were to each other as friends. And they had a relationship that is extremely rare. You know, you can, you can count on one hand, maybe two fingers, a true friend that you've had in your life, that you still have in your life. Because 
You may have a lot of acquaintances, but do you have a true faithful friend? Maybe it's your spouse. That's fine. You know, I mean, pastor's my best friend. You know, he's a rascal sometimes. Hi, dad. But he's, he's, <laughs> but he's also my best friend. Okay. So anyway, but this account about David and Jonathan has always touched my heart. And uh, I just want to share it with you tonight because there's no greater thing in the, in the word, I don't think, than an example of being faithful one to another as in this case, as friends. So let's turn to 1 Samuel 18, Old Testament. So pretend like you're uh, sitting on your mommy's lap or something and she's reading you a story, okay? Or pretend like you're sitting in class at school and you're in kindergarten and the teacher's reading you a story. Or pretend like you're at the library and they're reading you a nice story. By nice people, not other people that we hear about are coming, showing up at the library. Nice people. Okay. First Samuel 18, 1 through 4. Now, Jonathan was King Saul's son. Okay, so you get the relationship here. I'm trying to set up thing here. So 18 verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, because so Saul is the king of Israel, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond of love between them, and they became the best of friends. From that day on, Saul kept David with him at the palace and wouldn't let him return home. So now David's living in the, in the palace with, uh, with uh, King Saul and with Jonathan. And Jonathan then made a very special bow to be David's friend. And he sealed the pact by giving him his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Pretty cool. So flip over to 1 Samuel 20. So you can see how this relationship is beginning. So in 1 Samuel 20, I'm beginning at verse 1. In the the meantime, I want to fill in a little bit here. King Saul gets extremely jealous of David, if you don't know the story. Because David killed Goliath, as we all know, but the people in the, in the, in Israel there started singing songs of praise to David. Well, King Saul happened to be a great warrior as well, but it made him jealous. And so that's when the problem started, arose between King Saul and with, and with David. So I'm, I'm going to start here in verse one in, in uh, chapter 20. David now fled from Naoth in Ramah. And found Jonathan. What have I done? He exclaimed. What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? That's not true, Jonathan protested. I'm sure he's not planning any such thing. For he always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know he wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan, why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I am only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Tell me what I can do, Jonathan exclaimed. David replied, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with your father on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. 
If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go home to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says fine, then you will know that all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, then you will know that he is planning to kill me. Show me this kindness as my sworn friend, for we made a covenant together before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father. But please don't betray me to him. So can you see the problem we've got here? You know, David and Jonathan are, are love each other. They're true to one another as friends. And they've got a problem with King Saul. King Saul wants to kill David. Jonathan can't believe that his father would even want to kill David. But David knows it's so. Verse 9, never Jonathan exclaimed, you know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Then David asked, how will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants to kill you, may the Lord kill me if I don't warn you so that you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. Yeah, so the, so the Lord was with King Saul. You know, you have to read Samuel, you know. Do yourself a favor. Read First and Second Samuel. I love them. You'll find out where... King Saul was chosen to be king of Israel, but he really messed up. And so the Lord said, you're not king any longer, although he's still sitting on the throne here. You know, so anyway, there's a lot that goes on before. Let's see, I lost my place. But if he, if he is angry and wants you, wants you killed, may the Lord kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as you used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family, now this is a key, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies. So Jonathan made a covenant with David saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. What kind of a friend is that to have? You know, man, what a blessing to have a friend like this. Verse 18, then Jonathan then said, tomorrow we will celebrate the new moon festival. You will be missed when your place at the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hide before and wait there by the stone pile. I will come out and shoot three, and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him, they're on the other side, then you will know as surely as the Lord lives that all is well and there is no trouble. They're on this side. It's on this side. I said it wrong. They're on this side. Then you will know that everything is well. Then it will mean that you must. Uh, and then he said, but if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you. Then it will mean that you must leave immediately for the Lord is sending you away. And the Lord make us keep our promises to each other, for he has witnessed them. 24. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. He sat at his usual place against the wall, with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner beside him. But David's place was empty. 
So Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he said to himself, something must have made David ceremonially unclean. Yes, that must be why he's not here. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for dinner either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if I could go to Bethlehem, if he could go to Bethlehem. He wanted to take part in a family sacrifice. His brother demanded that he be there, so I told him he could go. That's why he isn't here. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore, he swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want David to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But what has he done, Jonathan demanded? Why should he be put to death? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. See how he goes in such a rage. You know, he's thrown his spirit at David before. Now he's throwing it at his own son. So it's almost like, you know, Satan's taking this guy over. So at last, at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat all that day, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. The next morning, as agreed, Jonathan went out into the field and took a young boy with him to gather his arrows. Start running, he told the boy, so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran, and Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy had almost reached the arrow, Jonathan shouted, The arrow is still ahead of you. Hurry, hurry, don't wait. So the boy quickly gathered up the arrows and ran back to his master. He, of course, didn't understand what Jonathan meant. Only Jonathan and David knew. Then Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy and told him to take them back to the city. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have made a pact in the Lord's name. We have entrusted each other and each other's children into the Lord's hands forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the city. So they never saw each other again. To me, that's so sad. You know, what great friends they were, what great warriors they were together. But because of the Saul, because of his hatred and his jealousy, you know, he turned, really he turned his heart and his soul, uh, Saul did, over to Satan. So Jonathan and David never saw each other again, which to me is so sad, you know, so sad. So, um, look at Second Samuel, chapter four. Okay, so Second Samuel four and verse four. Saul's son Jonathan had a son, and his name was Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when Saul and Jonathan were killed in the battle of Jezreel. That's why David never saw Jonathan again, because Jonathan got killed in battle with his father. When news of the battle reached the capital, the child's nurse grabbed him and fled. 
But she fell and dropped him as she was running, and he became crippled as a result. So that's why uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, try to say that. I wonder what they called him for short. Try to make a nickname out of that one. I, I don't even know how you could do that. Anyway, um, that was his only son. And he was crippled. He got crippled when he was five years old when Jonathan, his father, died and Saul, his grandfather, died because his, his nurse or his nanny was carrying him and fell with him and he became crippled in his legs. She probably fell on him and he broke his legs. And back then, you know, they couldn't, they didn't know how to repair things like that. So then look what happens. Go to Second uh, Samuel chapter 9. Beginning in verse 1. So one day, I don't know how many years later, but one day David began wondering if anyone in Saul's family was still alive. For he had promised Jonathan that he would show kindness to them. Do you remember when I was reading back a little bit ago? He said they talked about one of his families. You know, I'll take care of your family. So here we have this is coming up. I'm going to read that again. One day David began wondering if anyone in Saul's family was still alive, for he had promised Jonathan that he would show kindness to them. So not only was was, uh, David faithful to Jonathan and vice versa, but David was also faithful to the promise that he had made to his dead friend, that I'll take care of your family. To me, that's faithfulness to the max. He could have said, well, he's gone. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. And he, and he could have broken his promise. Could have been just as easy to break his promise as, and, you know, it might have been a little bit harder to fulfill that promise. So verse two. So he summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir. I am Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness. There's there's another fruit of the Spirit, kindness, to them in any way I can. Zebra replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he is crippled. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodibar, Zeba told him. So I looked up Lodibar. What does that mean? Because it sounds like a weird place to be. How would you like to be down in Lodibar? So it means that there was no pasture there. So he's probably out in the desert somewhere, you know, where there's a lot of sand and tumbleweeds, etc. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? But there was no pasture there, so he was down in the lowdy bar. And Ziba told him, at the, na- at the home of Micar, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makar's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low in great fear and said, I am your servant. See, cause, cause, uh, because Mephibosheth thought that David was going to kill, that Jonathan was going to, uh, that David was going to kill him. So that's why he was very fearful. But that's not what happened. When he came to David, he bowed low in great fear and said, I am your servant. But David said, don't be afraid. I've asked you to come so that I can be kind to you because of my vow to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the land that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, 
He was a king, so I imagine he had a lot of land. And you may live here with me at the palace. Mephibosheth fell to the ground before the king, because now David's king. Should the king uh, show such kindness to a dead dog like me, he exclaimed. So he had a kind of a low self-image of himself, didn't he? Maybe it was because he was crippled, I don't know. Verse 9, then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for his family. But Mephibosheth will live here at the palace with me. Ziba, who had 15 sons and 20 servants, replied, Yes, my lord, I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly with David as though he were one of his own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, moved to Jerusalem to live at the palace. Now, what do you think about that? Isn't that awesome? I mean, I haven't, I have, to this day, I've not read an account like this about a friendship, a love between two people, promises that they made to each other, promises that they made, you know, a covenant that they made, and promises that they made not only to one another, but to one another's children. Now, that's my great example of faithfulness in the Bible. They were completely and totally faithful to one another. And I love this story. Amen. So think about Jesus. You know, Jesus was faithful to us and that he died in the cross in our stead. Right? So are we going to be faithful back to him? Are we going to be faithful to Jesus? Amen. You know, that's a quality decision that that we make, we have to make that every day, sometimes. You know, like, like sometimes in the day, you know, you get up, you know, you intend on reading your Bible and you have a hundred interruptions. How many interrupt, you know what I'm saying? But then you have to just say, no, I'm gonna, I'm not looking at those. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna have my time with the Lord. That's being faithful to Jesus every day. That's a decision that you have to make like every day. Because there's always disruptions. There's always decoys. Somebody's always ringing the doorbell at the wrong time or the phone's ringing or the baby's crying or something's happening. Or when you're at work, you know, things like that. But we have to make a quality decision. Jesus was so faithful to us. We must be so faithful back to him. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, I'm done. So that didn't take long, did it? It wasn't that powerful. I love that. And I just want to challenge you once again. Get yourself, if you don't have a New Living Bible, when you're reading these Old Testament stories, get one. They probably have a bunch in the bookstore. And read First and Second Samuel. Outstanding. 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 Things that happen there. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up. And, uh, hello. And uh, Pastor's going to lead you in a song. And if my altar team will come on up here, we're very short on our altar team tonight because Pastor's not here, Pastor Dave's not here, Katie, Pastor Katie's over yonder. So it looks like it's you and I did. Well, here comes here comes uh, Chuck and here comes Leah. Yes, thank you, Lord. So if you need prayer for anything at all, come on up here. We'll we will pray for you.
be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. And my God will never fail. My God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends Yes, I know how this story ends I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good I'm gonna see a victory to see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord you take what the enemy meant for you Turn it for good. 
Say the Barstow Faith Confession. Well, that was good. That was. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's close that in prayer. Father, we just thank you for being a good God. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you've equipped us to finish the rest of our week, Lord. We thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Lord. We thank you that every step we take, that your angels are around us protecting us. We thank you that no weapon formed against our children shall prosper while they're at school, Lord. We just thank you for just blessing us throughout the rest of this week, Lord. And we just give you all the glory and honor and praise, Father. And we thank you for Miss P's lesson on faithfulness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we will be faithful to you and faithful to your house, Father God, all the days of our lives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we say the uh, the Barstow Faith Confession, I forgot I was going to tell you a joke I made up. <laughs> I don't ever make up jokes, nevertheless remember jokes, but I thought this was pretty funny. You know the difference between a man preacher and a women preacher? No. A woman still has to make dinner. <laughs> That's a good one. That was really good. Okay, let's do the Barstow Faith Confession. Here we go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.